Welcome to the Enrollment Insights Podcast. I'm Will Patch, Enrollment Marketing Leader at Niche. In this podcast, my goal is to focus less on the promising practices, instead look for the processes and questions that will lead to novel solutions tailored to your institution. My guest today is Tom Vollerberdan. Tom is the Executive Director of Admissions Marketing at the College of St. Benedict and St. John's University. I've learned a great deal about secret shopping, outside-the-box digital campaigns, and strategic thinking and organization. I'm sure you will, too. Welcome, Tom. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start off with two questions I ask everybody. So first up, what's something that you tried that didn't work, and what did you learn? <laughs> the list is probably long, right? Uh, in <laughs> fact, I, I found over the uh, years that it's sometimes much easier to measure failure than it is to measure success. So uh, I, you know, one, one thing that comes to mind right away is really our, our search outreach for this last year in uh, the spring of 2019. We have mostly historically done our search completely in-house. At the same time, we're really rather small staff and um, we really wanted to add um, more digital social media marketing to the campaign. So we reached out to a local vendor that was recommended to me. In the end, I really certainly wasn't happy with the results just in terms of the inquiry rates. One of the things I found in going through that process with the local vendor was that I had questions early on and I I need to do a better job of trusting not only my internal ex- my expertise, but the internal expertise of our team. In, as we work with outside vendors, that the vendors do come to each project with certainly a lot of background, but we also come with a great deal of knowledge. And we need to make sure that we trust that early on and, and make so we don't get too far down the road before we find out we um, would have done things differently. You know, that's a good point. People tend to say, well, we're, we've hired this outside group and they're going to handle it all. You know, they don't they don't necessarily look for because we're feeding that information in from your internal people. Yeah, and I think actually ever since then it's we certainly work with outside vendors. I, I even recently had a vendor say to me that she really liked how forthright I was with her. I, I even thought at that point, you know, I think I've been getting better at at being forthright right up front um, and making sure that at least my insights uh, and opinions are brought to the table early on. Uh, what are some practices you do? to use brainstorming and bring new ideas into your work? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought about this question a little bit and it was, uh, to some degree, I'm not even sure where my, my what I would consider my best ideas have come from. <laughs> um, years ago, we did um, a red desk series where we painted kind of an old traditional desk red and we not only sent it around the campuses, but we sent it around um, the country and even uh, over to London. And we took photos of students, faculty, alums interacting with this red desk. And it, it really caught on um, uh, with our external audience. And uh, frankly, I look back and I have no idea really where we, we got that. One of the things I found is that I really enjoy taking that little spark of an idea and then really trying to run with it and, and uh, get it to, to set on fire. I, I think there is no magic answer for that, but I do think that one of the things, at least at St. Ben's and St. John's, is that we work really well as a team. And um, going back to the conversation, the last question, it's that opportunity to be honest, throw out your ideas and opinions, 
and uh, then uh, make sure that people are feel comfortable arguing it out. And I've had that discussion real recently with a couple of colleagues at St. Ben's, St. John's, where where we sort of agree that you know we're going to get into kind of a heated battle, and uh, don't take it too personally. We're 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 trying to get the best idea or the best direction. We're not trying to get my direction or that person's direction. And you're in a unique spot there with being two institutions, too. How much of that is you have to come to a consensus between the campuses and how much is, mm-hmm. you know, we could have our own take on this idea? Yeah, there's probably a little bit at my in, into my area, but our, our marketing efforts are really so joint that it doesn't come into play uh, too much. Um, certainly when we are working on ideas, uh, we need to make sure that whatever that idea is not going to be too centered on one campus or the other, physically speaking, or going to be using students from one campus or the other. It really needs to be a, a joint message. Right now, a lot of our work is really focused on actually really um, expanding our promotion of that particular aspect of our identity. Uh, we've been celebrating it more than now for the the sort of the meat of this conversation. Uh, when you do your secret shopping to better understand your own communication flows and how they compare to your peers and your competitors, how do you categorize and make sense of sort of that qualitative portion of what you're receiving? And I think the first, you know, a good question. I, it, it really comes out of the background that you and I, we should probably tell your audience, uh, did a, a secret shopping together a couple of years ago. And uh, we launched them at the same time. And that was really the first time I did an extensive project like that. Um, it isn't as if we hadn't got on some email uh, list. This past year, I was on 35 for email and print. I, I think our first step really was just to, A, get on the list, right? And then figure out what we were going to make out of it from there. From a qualitative standpoint, I, I, and there's a little quantitative part to this also, one of the things we did, which I thought was real helpful, um, because certainly you can measure emails, for instance, in the, in terms of quantity, and nobody sends out more emails than St. Ben's and St. John's, it turns out. <laughs> we win that rate. Also trying to look at the quality of that experience. And so I had a student uh, employee uh, go through all the emails we received from the different colleges, and uh, we put them into three different categories. Um, and just because we really wanted to use all P's for the beginning, we went with process, promotional, and personal. So the process focused were the just the emails that were apply and visit. You can apply. You can apply tomorrow. They says you, you know you didn't apply yesterday, so maybe you can apply today. Um, promotional focused were the key brand messages, product offerings, that sort of thing. And then the part that really was more interesting of interest to me was how many of them were really focused on the spe- student's specific personal interest. And when I filled out the inquiry forms, I made sure that I gave the students some academic and extracurricular interests. What I really found, and I was really actually quite surprised with maybe a Shuntaben, is how little the personal focused emails are sent. There were institutions that certainly have much, much larger marketing budgets and staffs than, than we have, and uh, absolutely nothing for this particular student's academic extracurricular interests. St. Ben's and St. John's, it turned out we are about a third of each, which I guess we could argue would, you know, it's better or worse, but a third of each seemed like a really pretty nice uh, pie chart to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that I saw a lot is there were the schools that were 
only process focused mm -hmm. that every postcard, every email just said apply today and never once gave me any details or any information about why I should apply. Mm -hmm. um, and that was something that, that stood out about because again, full disclosure, I, I secret shopped uh, St. John's when I was, when I was going through this last year, it stood out because of the level of personalization and you say it was only a third, you know, a third is multiple times higher than what I was seeing from other schools. Right. You know, and, and I would tell you, Will, 30 years ago when I was just starting work in college admission, I, it, I can remember having arguments with people on our staff where we just wanted to send out one more postcard telling students that they can apply. And I kept mm -hmm. thinking, students know they can apply. You need to tell them why they should apply. Okay, allow me to pull out my soapbox here for a moment. Students need to know the why. You need to be able to tell them why they should apply and why they should care about your school, especially if they're prospects. These are students who haven't come to you organically. Give them reasons to care, give them reasons to take action, and you'll have a much better success rate, especially with personalization. Okay, back to Tom. Now, we also know that, you know, there are a lot of vendors doing a lot of sort of tricky things with emails, and there's a lot of, uh, I look through these emails and I can oftentimes tell which vendor certain certain colleges are using some of those vendors their job is just to keep sending out emails over and over again saying you can apply trying to get you to click that button and, and then automatically making you an applicant so I, I i know what sort of game is being played there i really think you know we are in a very crowded marketplace especially well you know even before the pandemic uh hit we were already in a difficult demographic situation and colleges just need to find ways to stand out in a crowded marketplace. And certainly I would say we are very challenged at St. Ben's and St. John's to do that. Um, we need to continue to find ways to be better. A lot of the emails that I got from a lot of the colleges look a lot like a lot of the emails that St. Ben's and St. John's send out and the print publications. So, you know, really, how are you getting... Um, uh, yourself uh, looked at in that day when those emails hit that uh, student's uh, inbox, what's the reason for opening them? Same thing with the mailbox. You have a very well-coordinated comm flow. You really hit some of those major pain points. Your print pieces together looked very good together. What was the process of building and testing that approach? Yeah, I think you know, two big questions there, right? Testing is um, oftentimes done on, on the fly. Um, like I said before, we have a we have a very small marketing team at St. Ben's and St. John's, and, and we're trying to do as much as we possibly can. Testing, we we certainly do some focus groups as we go. Uh, we do involve uh, current students, incoming students, students at different parts of the funnel to try to get at least some feedback on what we're doing. I think what you're seeing in the publications that were sent your way is probably mostly the result of a lot of years of getting it, working to get it right. Certainly institutionally, we did some good branding work a number of years ago where I had all these, all sorts of aha moments because we went from zero to 60 real quickly on where we were at with branding and just brand identity. Um, so that toolbox really helped me and my teammates a lot. Again, we, unlike a number of colleges that I've seen, really do try to, uh, when we ask a student what their interests are, we don't just put them in our 
CRM, we uh, make sure we're using them for a purpose. We do try to personalize that print flow as much as possible. Certainly from our standpoint early on, we know that affordability is a big question mark. So we uh, work with our research department who did some really good surveys for us and research with our current students. And we're able to combine that with information and put together, I think, a really very nice piece that really is specifically focused on affordability and is um, rather to the point on what the cost and benefits are. So I think I, I think that you know was one of those pieces that I would talk about specifically. One of the things we do at St. Ben's and St. John's, where, where I think a lot of colleges don't do is we tend to treat, I would say, every prospective student as an individual. I'll oftentimes have people both on campus and off campus ask about our comm flow. And when I bring out our action-based or uh, activity-based comm flow and show how it really uh, is specific to the individual, it takes a lot of explaining. Uh, and I give credit a lot to um, two of my colleagues, Mary Rubel and Sarah Simpson, for their work in overseeing the print and the email flow to make sure that happens. You were very upfront with the net price calculator, with affordability information, mm-hmm. much more so than a lot of places where it's it's hidden, it's hard to find. You know, they'll say we're affordable, but then to back it up with, and here's our net price calculator, here's what you can expect, here's realistic numbers. I feel like that that builds more trust from families as well. Oh, I yeah, totally agree. I think that's a good point. Might as well address their concerns very early on, right? Yeah, let's not wait until April or May to start yeah. talking about that. Yeah. Uh, how do you evaluate the effectiveness of your landing pages and the inquiry generation campaigns? Yeah, you keep asking difficult questions here, don't you? Uh, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> and those are two two questions. So I'm going to try to, I'll look at first the effectiveness of landing pages. We, for our internal landing pages, you know, certainly sometimes a landing page can be just a page from our website, right? Uh, I've been using Unbounce for our campaign landing pages now for about three years, and I haven't really used any others. I've I've browsed other landing page uh, software programs, and I know that a lot of them have a lot of similarities. I'm really comfortable with Unbounce and uh, um, happy with what I can do there. The one thing I'd say about landing pages is that I do tend to do or try to do at least some A-B testing, which is really easily done in in these types of landing page programs. And that has helped quite a bit in adjusting how I do things. Right now, for instance, in our search campaign, I'm, I'm back to testing um, whether the a, a button on the landing page is better than a, uh, a built-in form. I would have gone with the built-in form, and early indications are right now that we're running still running about 50-50 on that. That runs counter to what the experts tell you. Yeah, it does. Um, the other thing uh, that you taught me, of course, and I should have learned this years and years ago, but uh, I had to go to the guru and learn all about UTM codes. And so uh, everything gets a UTM code now. And so it's much easier. Uh, I used to, I used to before that, and you knew this, I used to have all these different forms. So I, I could tell, you know, I had 17 different versions of the same form so that I could go back and measure. Now I just have one form and uh, different UTM codes. 
And that's really helped a lot with measuring effectiveness of these different campaigns and landing pages. Yeah, and that makes your life easier having one to maintain as well. Yes, much easier. Much easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, 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 I, I learned a lot from you. That was, uh, that was probably the, the top thing right there. That made, that made my life different and better. So good. Um, Glad to help. <laughs> yeah. Um, now looking at the inquiry generation campaigns, um, this past year, I looked at the 2019 results of our search outreach. And I think I did a very thorough investigation to the point where when I get down to single digit numbers uh, of students where I would just still have questions about them, you know what I did? I I did this old fashioned thing where I just uh, either picked up the phone or called them or sent them an email just to get a little bit more background understanding of how they got on our system and what role search played or didn't play. And um, really what I did discover is that for us, the search campaigns really generated very little new interest from students um, who are previously unaware of us. It turns out that the first source on our system is not the equal, not the same as their first interest. Um, we certainly had a lot of times where their, the search was the first uh, source for us. And that really helps make us more aware of the student, which hopefully makes uh, us better able to reach out to that student, which hopefully then results in the student more likely to enroll. But it was just a handful of students that I found who really were previously unaware of us. And they got the search and were intrigued. I don't know if you've done this too, taking that next step and really segmenting out and say, okay, of these lead gen, we have it from the source. What if then we respond with this Comflow or we respond with a slightly stripped down Comflow or we don't respond at all? And then measuring the differences and how they respond and likelihood to apply and enroll. To some degree, we have. There's always pressure, of course, to increase. Well, in the end, we want always more enrolled students. And if you look at the traditional communication flow, that usually means you want more applicants and more inquiries. Now, I'm not a believer in the traditional communication or traditional admission funnel anymore. With the pressure to get more inquiries, one of the things we did as we faced pressure to work with an outside vendor is we took uh, certain students who met certain criteria and categorized them such that some would get mailings and some would not get mailings. We created a category called Prospect Plus, which uh, in those cases, we treated the students as inquiries while they were actually still prospects. Um, it's one of those cases, I would say, where in the end, we found out that uh, mailing uh, didn't matter to these students. Now, that wasn't a true A-B testing, but um, it was some testing. This is something I've been hearing more and more places, something I personally experienced in my prior position. The schools that are looking at their mailings and testing whether or not they have an effect tend to be finding that either mailings have no effect or a very limited effect, uh, in some cases even a detrimental effect. So definitely test whether or not your mailings are working because that money on those expensive mailings can better be used in digital marketing. Okay, back to Tom. We have done, I would say, minor adjustments to communication flows where we've done some differences in our mailings to some students and not. Well, I can say that I haven't found much difference in those. I think one of the things I told you and can share with your audience is that there's been a year in the last, I would say, 10 years where we did no search at all. We bought no names. Mm -hmm. And 
we still ended up the next two years with really good, um, very strong enrollments, uh, first year students. So, mm-hmm. so, oh, I've had interesting cases too, where we, we did one year and this is many years ago. We did a alum outreach to a ha- like half the students and, uh, skip the other half of the students. And, mm-hmm. uh, it turned out that the students that got the, and it was completely random. The students who got the letter were less likely to enroll than those who did. <laughs> Like, oh, goodness gracious, right? <laughs> uh, now, I'm sure that uh, 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 <laughs> there was something statistically wrong with all that, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but that's one less piece you have to do next year. Yeah, exactly. I guess with that, you know, you have a small a small office there. How good are you at basing, taking these results and saying, this didn't work like we wanted it to, let's not do that next year? Are you good at killing projects? No. <laughs> <laughs> probably much better at adding projects. Um, And, but I've been around long enough and I've used this metaphor before, you know, the, 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 you always had the metaphor of the glass and you're filling up the glass and how many drops you can get it. Well, now the reality, given the amount of opportunity we have to, with digital marketing and email communication and personalized print pieces, it's no the glass is sitting on the desk in the middle of the room and the room is the opportunities you have to still now decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do and it really does require prioritization you're certainly making a good point that it it does mean that we have to be careful about what we shouldn't be doing and with the limited resources how we're going to continue to push forward with new initiatives uh, without leaving stuff behind we certainly need to I suspect we're not alone on that. We're, you know, we're afraid to get rid of what we know. What if that was the deciding factor for someone? Yeah, yes, exactly, right. (laughs) What are some questions that an office should be asking themselves to come up with stronger marketing? I think I brought this up to you before, too. I really am a big fan of the book Made to Stick. When I read that book, it just really resonated with me and how I thought about going to market, especially in a very crowded marketplace that you really need to continue to ask the questions that that they ask in that book. They're, they're brothers that wrote the book. They're really smart guys. And um, they say that really what you need to do is look at a success. And the idea of success is that how are you generating messages that capture people's attention and then stick with them? And to do that, you should be asking, you know, is this outreach simple? Is it unexpected? Is it concrete? Is it credible? Is it playing on their emotions? And are, are we using stories to tell, to tell our story? I especially like unexpected. And I, we certainly have to give our audience what they expect. And I know there are a lot of good advisors that will say, I need to find these minimal things. I, when a co- we know that when a student goes to your website, they want to know, you know, how much does it cost? Can I major in what I want to major in there? And answer these basic questions. And that's the expected. And clearly, we have to be doing that. But as we go up that pyramid, really, your, your website, your outreach, really to be successful also has to give them much more than they expect. And that's where it gets to be real challenging because if you go to a lot of places, not just the website, the emails, the print flow, the real challenge is how does your product give them something more than they expected, or in the case of price, maybe less than expected. You know, pricing in there is always tough with expectations because some people want, you know, super low, but 
I also had a student one time who's who walked out because we were less expensive than their high school. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, and so I said, well, you, you can't be any good then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a different perspective. Yes. I've, you know, I heard that years and years ago, especially pricing as a part of your, your mix and your marketing mix and that how important it is to have, have a, a sticker that exclaims excellence. Right. But then you, mm-hmm. that's how we got into discounting as we jacked up the price and then brought the price down. I don't, I can't speak to whether, um, that's in play anymore or not. I just, you know, certainly we know that affordability is a, a really big topic for families. And we yeah. we do know that families are turned off by the initial sticker price. When we surveyed the class of 2019, so this current freshman, at every income level, the majority of students ruled out colleges based on their sticker price. I mean, even, even you know, the 150,000 plus we're saying nope, not even going to apply to that college because of the sticker price. Yeah, we're we're this much, but and you can't yes. <laughs> you never get to the but because they never got past the we're this much, right? Exactly. Yeah, if they never fill out the inquiry form or call you up or whatever, you can't tell them how what your discount is. And I was going to say, institutionally, again, we we wrestle with all of those those pieces of that success story, those elements of it. And um, we are hard at work, not I'm very minimally involved in it, but hard at work at getting a, a website that's going to be doing a much better job of uh, a number of those characteristics or those traits. I don't know that every campaign or every activity is going, you know, you it you go up and down on these, right? Something might be more simple and a little less unexpected, but, um, and I don't think that they claim that every one of your uh, campaigns or activities needs to hit every single one of these, but you should ask those questions about every single one and find out what is the catch that's really attracting the audience and then keeping them connected with you. Well, thank you, Tom. I really appreciate taking the time here. Well, I, I'm honored and I, I uh, appreciate being a friend of yours, knowing you and uh, being able to uh, learn from you continuously as I follow you on Twitter, too. So thanks a lot. Will. <laughs> well, good deal. Thanks a lot. And I hope you hope you're staying safe. Yeah, thank you, Will. Thank you.